With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another transfer podcast here on Anfield Index Pro. And I'm joined by my transfer guru, Dave Davis. How you doing, man? Good. And good to hear you back, Mr. Lyrical Velvet, again. Happy days. <laughs> uh, listen, young Drinkle did a super job in my absence. God bless him. Um, and much appreciated it was because uh, we couldn't seem to get our shit together at all last week, man. If you, when you were available, I was and vice versa. These things happen, of course, uh, over summer times and family times and all the rest of it. So we're back uh, in tandem and we have a lot to talk about, man. Wow, yeah. a lot to talk about. Sadly, sadly, our Liverpool update, which we traditionally do as a start, is going to uh, dance in a sad circle around a waning bonfire because it's all injury-related, will we, won't we, what yeah. happens now type questions. And just to sum them up first, and then we'll go through them all. So obviously, the ongoing Thiago story is interesting. There are days and dates getting thrown about and again interesting yeah. here you're taking this the Canada thing means there is another knock-on effect we spoke about that last time out as well and of course there's also uh curtis uh to fold in here and uh scan results and all those type of things so let's take them one by one and of course the main one dave the one that's weighing on all of us and the one that seems to be dividing um uh those of us who stand under the same banner in a way that's Ah, very depressing um, is the midfield question because it doesn't seem to be okay to say, "Oh, I, I'd like us to reinforce there." Um, yeah. If you're if you're a, if you're a, a super red or whatever they call them these days, I can't be arsed even with their stupid terminology. And it doesn't seem to be okay to say, "I trust in Klopp." If you're a tall left SG outer, of course, most of us have enough sense to be somewhere in the middle, and there is no doubt that we wanted to recruit in midfield. That is a fact. That is an unarguable fact. And now we have our absolute best midfielder outcrocked in day one, on day one, excuse me, um, for an undefined period. Now, like you, like we, like I've just said, there are scan results to be waited for. Yeah. Kloppo said a couple of different things. His initial set of quotes were quite defensive, as you might expect. God, Dave, it's just the absolute internet dream, isn't it? There's endless churn to be gotten from this for the next few weeks. This this is an absolute journo's dream, Trev, this, isn't it? It's just clickbait central now. You can make it for us. I think 
the first thing just on that, yeah, Thiago getting injured is a disaster. Let's not dress it up. As you said, he's our best midfielder. The biggest thing to say is, we don't know, but just to be clear, Trev, Liverpool have the scan results. So right now, Liverpool know the Thiago extent or, you know, what the medical experts are telling us. They have those scan results. We know that. That's what we're being told. So now it comes down to, A, do they share that? I don't think they do. They're never really going to put estimates. We know Klopp doesn't like putting estimates on time or time frames, I should say, sorry, on players. And then B, what's the knock-on impact for that, which comes down to opinion and surmising. I mean, Neil Jones put out a good article on it and I saw people just, as you mentioned, running with that in all sorts of ways. Just to be clear, Neil Jones said, we hope, we hope we've called it early enough so it's not too bad and we're talking weeks. If we've not, and the prognosis, which if we're fearing the worst, which is what James Pearce also stated in his article, it's an if it is the worst, it's long-term and we might not even see him until after the World Cup. So that's your sort of range, isn't it? Like weeks to after the World Cup. So that will kick off a load of things. And obviously, Trev added into the mix, Liverpool not winning at the weekend just makes it a, a shitstorm, for want of a better phrase, doesn't it, really? So transfer-wise, because that's what we should stick on, honest opinion, if in the absolute best scenario it is weeks, and when I say weeks, I'm talking you know, three, maybe up under a month, let's call it that. I don't think we move in the transfer market at all. That's just being honest. I don't think we do. If it's the worst and the top end, you know, the sort of up to the World Cup, this is opinion and everyone has one, as it seems at the moment. I think it'd be crazy not to move for a midfielder. Now, I know that's got to be specific, as Klopp said. You know, it's a, such the short term. It's got to be someone who fits in the long term as well. I get that. But if Thiago is up to the World Cup, I think it's crazy not to move for another midfielder for, for obvious reasons. However, probably in Liverpool, true style, Trev, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be the interim of the two, in it? It's going to be a six-week job, something like that. And Liverpool will just, what's the phrase? Monitor, wait and see. Which, if that is the case, bloody hell, get the tin hats ready, eh? Oh, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, I, that's what worries me, man. That's what worries me. And um, it worries me almost as much as seeing how utterly riven uh, the fan base has been. Or as a, yeah. well, uh, let, 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 let me be clearer. My sliver of it that I've that I that I've got on my Twitter timeline, it's it's remarkable. And the people who I like and are, they are they've assumed diametrically opposed positions on this, as if it's some ideology that they're clinging on to. And I'm like, Christ, lads, you know, there is room, wiggle room here. I can yeah. say, I can, I can say, and Dave, you can as well, that we'd love to see some recruitment uh, in the short term, even if it is a comparative stopgap, because we felt going into the season that we were still light regardless. And I can still say that I trust the lads that we have can do a job, but they have to be fit, wouldn't they? And at the moment, we've got Oxley chamberlain out long We've got Curtis with a big question mark over him. We've got Naby Keita with a question mark over him. And now we've got Thiago with the biggest question mark of all. So I don't think it's too extreme to say, maybe we should address this. And as you say, when even Jimbo Pierce is suggesting that that might be a thing that we might have to do, uh, I think he used the word force to reconsider or something like that. Yeah. Then uh, it's an interesting one, man. And like, you know, it, it, the knock-on effect from that, again, to keep it, keep it between the hedges and 
you know, I like to throw these little curveballs at you every so often, but it's related. Um, obviously, stories are going to pick up now. And I, yeah. I, th- I, I threw out just for the sake of, of winding people up, Dave, I said at one stage uh, today, wouldn't it be great if uh, just for a pure banter bus, we got Frankie the Young now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and that's just pure, that's just pure messing. But of course, the stories like Mateus Nunes are going to come back into yeah. uh, focus. Uh, I saw the kid at Newcastle, what's his name? Oh my God. He had a great game at the weekend and people were already saying, oh, why, why aren't we out looking at him? And not, obviously every guy under, uh, uh, all stories will crawl out from under rocks yeah. again. Do, do you see anything? I know you've already said that the likelihood is we'll monitor, uh, like monitor lizards, but do you see any likelihood or if there is one, what do you think is the most likely? Do you think it's going to be like a, because we know it has to be the right fella yeah. uh, as far as Klopp's concerned. So that would lead me to believe we'd go for a youngster who's maybe not quite there yet, but we've been looking at very avidly. I think that's where we will go if we're going to go. I don't see it being a big name first team starter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I think the interesting thing is if if we do push that red button, so to speak, you know, emergency time, midfielder needed, it's going to, I have to carefully phrase this, it's not going to fly under the radar because Liverpool, you know, moving for a midfielder doesn't in the current circumstances, but they will move swiftly and it will break fast. And by the time it breaks, the deal will be close, if that makes sense, because we know how Liverpool operate in that way. Neymar's Trev, I'm just being honest. I mean, we know we've been linked and we've, we've had long-term inquiries in the likes of Nunes. Yeah, that keeps getting mentioned. Suchic is the one that I've heard stronger links on, just being honest. I know from the pre-season we talked to the Red Bull franchise about him. So th- those are the ones I, I could see potentially. But w- without saying, because obviously people will take everything you say literally, that is not me suggesting for one second we are imminent or in serious talks, you know, with Sporting or Red Bull for either of those players. So being honest right now, I'm not hearing anything that says, you know, we're moving, we're moving fast. I'm just not, I'm just almost going back on people I know we've had interest in. So that's I can all, I suppose I can really surmise at this stage. And I think that's perfectly fair, man. I mean, it, like it's it, it's an impossible situation because you have uh, the main man saying that um, we're okay, we don't need anything, and yeah. it, it has to be the right guy. And of course, some of us lean into a little bit of hope that he would be thrown out uh, curveballs, and certainly not saying we're desperate for a midfielder so that every club can come with their big smiley faces and their uh, uh, cudgels ready to beat our bank balance to death. There has to be a logic about that too, and the way you'd approach yeah. it. So, look, it is what it is, uh, Dave, and it's going to be the subject of next next week's show, no doubt as well. So let's move on to another one. This time around, a lad who's likely staying again, according to the manager, and that's Nat Phillips, because again of an injury. Great news, uh, Ibu Kanate, who has uh, a knock that initially we were told was completely harmless, and now it doesn't seem to be so much at all. Um, so for that reason, it looks like Nat Phillips is hanging about, and Bournemouth seem to have acted uh, in a way that means they're not likely to want him either. Yeah, it's uh, it's Nat Phillips' destiny almost changes on the back of a pre-season friendly, doesn't it? So. As we were, we told the expectation was, and we'd said this before actually, there was a number of bids on the table for Nat who was expected to get done, but Kanate gets that knock, which, again, as we said, was leaked as 
nothing you know too serious in the manager's words. However, let's be honest, they've got the results in. They know the results of the Canate scan. Quite telling, Trev, Canate is currently in France. They sent him back, you know, giving him a bit of a break, which doesn't indicate for one second he's set to come back on the training ground, does it, anytime soon, realistically? No. So, no. not not a good sign. So, what does that mean? As Klopp kind of, he didn't put a time frame, but alluded to, we might have to consider keeping that around. So... Tell him on Saturday it's it's Sep on the bench, isn't it? And not Nat. So what's the knock-on effect there? Well, Pierce breaks it, doesn't he? Well, not breaks it, it's kind of been intimated. There's a lot of interest in Sep, but Liverpool are working it out. It, it really is intriguing to see what will happen because there's no way to let both go. There's no way Nat and Sep go. I think Nat, whatever we think, is locked in now. I think that that's a certain. They now need to make the call. Do they let Sep go? That If Van der Berg does go, I could see that being late in the window. And the reason I'm saying that, Trevor, is we're already at cover stations with Matt. They might want to just make sure no one else gets a knock, if that makes sense, in the current climate. So there is even a possibility, if someone, you know, if someone else gets a knock, Christ, I can't believe I'm saying this, that none of them move. But the smart money now, unfortunately, does say... Nat Phillips is the insurance policy, and in another bad way, this is bad to say, Trev, but you've got to say it, he's the insurance policy, and hopefully he doesn't play, which is a nightmare for the lad's career, but it's about what's best for us, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? I mean, that's the thing you have to think about. You have to think in those terms, and we can all be magnanimous and wish the lad the best and hope for his, uh, good things for his career when it's off-season, but now we're at the sharp end, Um I agree with you completely. And it's an interesting one. Of course, the amateur psychologist would be immediately wondering what it would do to Nat Phillips and his uh, uh, morale to find yeah. himself being asked to be backup, having been spoken about as backup uh, in the Canati situation and not being ahead of Vandenberg on the bench. It's a bit of a weird one. So maybe there were extenuating circumstances there that we don't know about. But again, like I say, these are the things that people will obsess about. Um, so, I mean, just to wrap this up, and it's not it's it's not a fun chat, and thankfully the rest of the Premier League are throwing uh, money at the wall and uh, giving us something to talk about that is distracting, and we'll be moving on to that in a second. But we got to fold in Curtis Jones into the mix here, yeah. uh, and, and the fact, Dave, that on a day like this, which is the first transfer podcast of the new season, with only a couple of them left before the bloody window closes that we're still talking about injuries and we're still talking about uncertainty and will we make dramatic last minute moves it's not ideal man no it really isn't i think i mean to sort of as you said put curtis with the rest they have curtis's scan results i think that's the key thing for everyone to keep in mind they know the full prognosis for curtis canate and tiago they're not, they're not going to share it with everyone, obviously, but they know fully what the impact is, what their initial prediction is. Now, the indications are, you know, we've got to take the manager at his word, that Curtis will be a couple of weeks. But with that stress impact, as, it, as he called it particularly, which is apparently quite common for youngsters in pre-season, there's a bit of an unknown still. So it, it's at least a couple of weeks, which doesn't sound much, but it couldn't really be worse worst timing could it with what's going on at the moment realistically so yeah it's it's going to be interesting Trev I think 
my summary from this is keep in mind they had the results for all those players they know they know what they're dealing with if that's the the right phrase they know what the the landscape is so now they know what the landscape is they've got to decide if they're going to make a move haven't they so if it does happen we know Klopp likes to get them in as early as possible as well if it's as bad as it could be I don't think a move would be all that far away but that is just guessing and it will only know when we get any indication of what those scan results say. Simple as that. That's it. And it looks sadly dependent on bad news for some of our key players uh, for us to have the good news of recruitment. That yeah. is the unfortunate breakdown of that situation. But we're not the only ones who are flailing about or making potentially uh, rash decisions. Lots of them actually being made. As you say, at least we're uh, uh, keeping our powder dry at the moment. The same cannot be said for other clubs around the Premier League. It is, as you said here in your uh, uh, agenda, panic stations. And of course, people who have assets to move on are going to yeah. be rubbing their little hands together, Dave, because uh, there are the likes of ourselves potentially out there who go, shit, we need to do something here. And that means uh, spending or uh, paying a premium. Now, let's start with our favorite um, source of chuckles. Uh, who thankfully uh, managed to perform worse than we did at the weekend, uh, Manchester United, and the De Jong situation, which I was kidding over around about earlier on. And, and actually, I was only kidding around to the extent that it would be an absolutely glorious piece of snide if it wasn't for the fact that everybody knows what that kid wants to get paid, and that's not going to happen at Liverpool. So that's that. But with the De Jong thing sort of rumbling along, <laughs> as you said, this is really good, man. You look at United and you look at their potential business and what they're being linked with. And as you said here, what year is it exactly? Because they're being linked with Rabiot, they're being linked with Arnautovic. This is madness. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Arnautovic, like even Ericsson. I was like, I don't know if like the Glazers are playing football manager 2018 or something. Just, <laughs> yeah. just absolutely mental. But as we say that, Trev, it's mental, but it's just Man United, isn't it? They're the worst. They might even be the worst operators in the market right now. So, Dion dragging on, almost. Let's be honest. There's an element of embarrassment. It's quite clear the player doesn't want to go to that club, but it still drags on. So now, what? What sort of breaking after the absolute car crash of their opening day? Rabiot from Juventus again, a player known for being controversial, not fitting in. It's the interesting one. Is his his agent is his mum, who's known as one of the most difficult in the business. Who's had you know he's had problems wherever he he goes basically, and then again that's a player who's not really a team player, shall we say? There's talent there. I can't pretend Rabiot is a terrible player, but he's not really hit the height anywhere he's been. Bit temperamental. So what do they follow that up with? Arnautovic again. I think I can't remember who put it at the weekend. City went and got Haaland. Striker, big name, youngster, understand it. Liverpool responded with Nunes, totally understand it. United are looking at a 32-year-old former Stoke reject, honestly. And I know someone's going to say, yeah, in you know, Cagliari, has got I think, 13, 14 goals. But we've seen Arnautovic in the Premier League. His best days are well, well behind him. He settled in a, a lesser league, let's be honest, in Italy where it's working well at a lesser, lesser pressurised club. 
we know he's temperamental. We know he brings issues with him. So probably when you say that, maybe Manchester United fits in perfectly because it just adds into the mix. But I, I genuinely don't know if it's just Ant and Deck running United's recruitment. I really don't. <laughs> and it's just part of a show. I really just cannot understand any of it. Listen, it, it's glorious to watch, isn't it? Let's not lie, but it's just madness. Absolute madness. Well, you know, it is, and because it's because of the knock-on effect as well. You've got all the various uh, uh, Neville Chuckle Brother comments coming out. It's fantastic. It's it's hard not to revel in it, and um, I make no apologies for absolutely reveling in it. And every I'm savoring every minute of this because Christ knows they did when we were in the doldrums. Uh, you'd be a very um, pious and uh, saintly man. If you were to uh, rise above it, I have no intention. Yeah. I have no intention of rising above it, Dave. Uh, I like this tremendously uh, much. It's it's one of the best things that's, that's happened in recent years is watching them squirm a bit. And uh, long may it last. And I, 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 as you say, the De Jong thing's going to come back full circle later on. We talk about Barcelona, but they're not going anywhere in our stories either. And I don't know about you, right? Uh, let me throw this one at you as well. But I still wouldn't be surprised to see something happen happening around the show pony Ronaldo as well at some point before the end of this window. What do you think? What's your gut there? I I think it is possible. I think it was quite telling that all parties were in, weren't they, on that meeting? Mendes was there, even... You know, they broke the embalming fluid and dragged Fergie, Fergie out for it, didn't they? Type of <laughs> yeah. thing. They literally, everyone was here. So, to me, it, he, they will be looking at all options. The biggest thing in this, for me, is if he wanted to go, he would. It's Ronaldo's ego. Ronaldo, see, you know, you see the stories, Trev. Oh, he's prepared to take a cut, pay cut. It's like, Right, half a million pound a week to 350 grand a week. Like, there's still only a few clubs that can afford that realistically. So, if he does want to do it, he's going to have to swallow some more. And I'm just being honest, you know, like 250 somewhere around there. Someone will take Ronaldo, though, for 250k a week. You know, if there's like a loan option type of thing. But I just wonder if United will slam the door shut on him. But I'm going to be clear I'm saying the club will not allow it to happen. I think Ten Hag would drive him out of there in a heartbeat if he could. I think he wants him out of there. That's being clear. So I know that that is a total politician's answer of a wait and see. But yeah, let's just wait and see on that one. Well, coming from a place of complete cluelessness uh, as to their um, financial well-being, what about him going back to his old club in Portugal? I mean, that's one of the few things he could do where it wouldn't it would still appeal to his ego because he could perhaps drive them in a bit of a title challenge or something like that and the returning you know savior type deal because outside of that as you say it's going to be going to one of the bigger bigger clubs and i don't know how many people would actually want them um unless they can get the money right so that's going to be an interesting one to watch for sure uh, speaking of interesting watches, holy shit, Chelsea, the absolute, <laughs> the, the HBO box office uh, of this transfer window for us. Um, and it looks like they're still going to keep going here. Um, people heading out, people coming in. We know Timo Werner, that's been on the on, on the cards for a while, um, but it looks like Leipzig uh, have got something nailed on there. I'll let you tell me the details about that. But also... The likes of Callum Hudson-Odoi and uh, Mr. Alonso, much beloved uh, Mr. Alonso, looking like they might be heading for the door as well. 
Yeah, it's literally Amazon are making this big fuss about the Arsenal documentary. Boy, did they miss a trick. Chelsea was the one you wanted behind the scenes, wasn't it? Can you imagine how much material if you were filming Chelsea at the moment you'd have next year? But uh, that's uh, a different thing. Can you honestly? I'd, I'd, I'd pay the subscription for that alone. But Chelsea, yeah, it's, it's almost a bit of an interim period where they're finally starting to make the exits they've been looking for. But the public story isn't quite the full story, Trev. So, yeah, Timo Werner, pretty much back at Leipzig. This is the interesting one. They're telling us, or so let me be clear, the public sort of statements they're coming out with, it's around the 25 million mark, you know, wage cut, everyone's happy with it. What all the sources we've got without trying to sound ITK are telling us is that Chelsea have almost swallowed part of the transfer fee because it was supposed to be around 30 million and given it to Werner as a payoff because he's not put in the transfer request. He's had to take a big wage cut. So it's almost given him that part of the transfer fee, mainly because they don't want him there. And him and Tuchel hate each other. That's what we're hearing. So, you know, they wanted that done as soon as possible. Hudson Adoy, that, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, if you go back a year ago or so, Bayern were desperate to get him. And Chelsea were like, no, no, renew with us. You'll get the opportunities. You know, gave him a big wage. What an absolute disaster that's been for that kid's career, eh? So, you know, even now talking about a Dortmund loan. So it just shows how far he's fallen. And then the two most interesting clubs by far in this transfer window, Barcelona and Chelsea are speaking again. And it seems quite clear that Alonso is on the verge of around a 10 million deal to, to move back to Spain. Christ knows where Barcelona are getting the cash, but we'll probably get onto that later as well, eh? Oh, yes, we will, because that in and of itself is worthy of some sort of five-part Netflix series. We'll get to that. Uh, Let's keep going through the Prem and have a look at a couple more clubs that are doing bits. Uh, Wolves uh, look like they've got something, a deal done with Valencia for Guedes. Um, There's also talk about Conor Cody uh, heading out of the club. And there's a rumour there around why that might be. I'm going to leave you to fill in that one as well. And then in terms of them trying to fill in some blanks, uh, a couple of little things that they've been linked with as well. Um, Very interested to hear these Wolves stories. So maybe if you start with uh, the one that looks like it's done with Valencia, and then if you move from Cody to wherever you want after that. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as you said, greatest thing is that's pronounced the, the Portuguese international from Valencia. Fee moves around 25 to 27 and a half million pounds. So an interesting one because not the, the greatest Valencia side ever by any means, but the lad still got 13 goals last season. So will be interested to see how he goes. I mean, long, long time ago, he was even muted with us. So it's, a, it's an interesting one to see how he gets on the Premier League. Yeah, Connor, Connor Cody, a real one that sort of broke from, from nowhere almost. So no one's fully sure, but the, there's a lot of stories coming out that had a, a big fallout with Bruno Lage, large, however it's pronounced, the, the Portuguese manager there. Quite clear, though, not in that, that squad on the first day against Leeds. And it's interesting as well that it, there's a lot of clubs came in quickly. So Wolves were trying to ship him out fast. So... A loan-to-buy option, it sounds like, with Everton, who've beaten West Ham to the punch, which we'll come on to again his second time in a week, it seems. So, really interesting one, because 
naturally, Trevor, he's like coding, seen as a leader there, isn't he? England international, big profile, but the fact they're prepared to ship him out with a loan with an option to buy is, is quite telling, I think. It seems there has been a, a falling out there, whatever it may be. And then the, the bizarrest one for me, this is bizarre. Morgan Gibbs-White, talented young player, spent last season in the championship with Sheffield United. Had, had a good season, don't get me wrong at all, you know, but championship, keep that in mind, Trev. Wolves have rejected a £35 million package from Nottingham Forest for this guy. £25 million up front with £10 million add-ons. And the serious talk is that Nottingham Forest are coming back with a higher offer. This, to me, is almost a symbol of... And I, I don't want to use this kid as like, this is all that's wrong with the game, because that's too far. But, you know, even £40 million for a kid that's completely unproven in the Premier League. That's where the transfer market could be at right now. And I, I suspect this, this happens. Gibbs White has made clear he's not going to sign a new deal, which Wolves are trying to tie him down to. But, you know, look at that swing, Nottingham Forest. And we could be talking 40 million upwards even. The suggestion of upwards, you know, 45, 50. For a kid that's unproven in the Premier League, that's where I think it shows you what the market's like at the moment. But... Yeah, it's uh, interesting. They're not the most fashionable club wolves, but plenty happening, eh? Yeah, it sounds a bit bananas, all told. I mean, Conor Cody's, what, 29, something like yeah. that. And as you said, a real leader at the club. Now, if he's had a fallout to that extent with, with Bruno Lage, that's that's one thing. And I guess these things happen at clubs, and it's probably best you 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 get the soldering iron out and, and, and fix that as quickly as possible. But, yeah, oh, does it indicate how highly they rate this Gibbs White kid, or is it more a reflection of the fact that you think that it's desperation time in the other camp and the, the, the lads have sniffed blood? It probably is that last one, right? Yeah, I, I do. I think I think there's an element they when people say oh, they want to renew him. I think they want to renew him, Trev, for asset protection more than anything. A little bit in the future. He's, I mean, he's not getting in the Wolves team at the moment and they have got talent in there with Neves, etc., haven't they? So I think Wolves, honestly, are looking at this and thinking, will Forrest actually pay this? You know, if they can get like a £40, £45 million pound package from Forrest, and obviously Forrest are the, the crazy ones, shall we say, the new promoted team in the transfer market. I think Wolves will be absolutely delighted. But still, still come back to when it's not all about this kid is what's wrong with the game, but 40 million quid for a player that's not proven in the Premier League. Yeah, that maybe says it all about the transfer market at the moment. Absolutely, man. That's the thing. It's not about even, like you say, it's not about singling out the kid. It's about, this is quite a signpost as to where we're going. And to stick with the club who are willing to uh, make that big neon signpost even brighter, if they're, if they if they're, uh, if you're, um, information is, is 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 anything to go by Nottingham Forest just to stick with them and to segue into that obviously that gives away thing we'll see what happens there but that's not the only little bit of business they're trying to do no not not at all Forest Forest I think you said it a couple of weeks back their owner also owns Olympiakos he's letting them that the son's been a bit of an advisor to him so he's let all those funds travel across the forest, so Olympiacos aren't spending. Forest are carrying on. It wouldn't surprise me genuinely if Forest end the window, having recruited 15, 16 players, you know, almost a whole new squad, so to speak. So 
if you look at us, we're still going, aren't they? Gibbs White, they're trying to get. He's pretty much agreed now with Betis as well. Alex Moreno, a left wing back. So that's another player in there as well, which is interesting because they went for Omar Richards from Bayern. They've got Nico, who can play both flanks. You know, they got him from us. They, they are still going and going. They are literally buying players galore. It literally is like a game of football manager obscurity to them. I think in all essence, though, they're all in on let's spend the money because of just the riches we get from staying in the Premier League. The one thing that we don't know is that obviously the the, the son, the owner, buying all these players and also they um, say recruited. They're using Lee Charnley, you know, Mike Ashley's former right-hand man at Newcastle. They brought him in to advise. I'd love to know, you know, two pence for Steve Cooper's thoughts because he's done such a great job getting them up and developing that youth talent. Does Steve Cooper have a dream at the start of the season to bring 16 players in, Trev? I'd seriously doubt that. I Probably, you know, a few with quality, don't get me wrong, but the level of turnover, the level of recruitment, hmm, not really so sure. So it's fascinating, but listen, Forrester... They're not showing any signs of stopping and these owners are pumping the money in left, right and centre. I think it's a really good point because you, you have to be a certain type of person to back yourself to be able to bet in 15 yeah. new players. Uh, and no doubt they're out there and maybe he's one of them. Um, I guess it's the equivalent of joining a club like Clapo did when the season's begun almost. You know, you you have to almost acclimatise yourself to the majority of your of your playing staff. It's going to be a very interesting one to watch for sure. Let's finish with another um, uh, lad, source of lads who who uh, brought us a little bit of consolation at the weekend, and that's uh, the glorious uh, entity that is the Ev, uh, yeah. who, who are looking, you would imagine, to reinvest the Richarlison money in a way that makes sense. They certainly have had a stroke of, I would say, fortune in one particular player who chose them over West Ham. Um, yeah. And it looks now like they might get another one who we've already mentioned from Wolves. Um, and that's not it. They also would want in their heads to be replacing, I guess, uh, whatever atta- attacking splendidness that they associate with Charleston. So there might be some forwards being looked at there as well. Talk us through what you know about what's going on at that particular crazy corner of the Premier League. Yeah, in a in a very un-Ev move, Onana. I think that's. I honestly think that's a a great move, and I think I mentioned it like last week. The only reason you choose Everton over West Ham is money. It's got money written all over it. But I do think he's a a class player. That obviously we'll see how that bears out, and we won't hold that too much against him. The fact he's playing for Ev. Cody, yeah, it's, I think interestingly, the match of the weekend has really accelerated Everton's demand because unfortunately, it's one of those stupid ones where we know it's offside or I think the ball went out of play as well, but they they, they didn't stop it for some reason and Godfrey ends up, long story short, with a terrible injury, so he's out for the, the long term. Cody though, you know, I think for Everton's level, that's a great move, it really is. If you think Everton's problem's always been the defence, then to get Cody and Tarkovsky in improves their defence. Now, I know there's the argument that Cody's used to playing in a five. I totally get that. And it'll be interesting to see what they do there because they, they, you know, they brought one in, but they've lost the centre-half at the same time. So 
either way, Cody and Onana are good moves for Everton, which kind of surprised you because they don't really make good moves, do they, in all honesty? But there you go. Striker-wise as well, a real, real left-field one because we hear they're making inquiries. And the one that we've heard, this is a proper weird one, Trev, I'm not going to lie. They've asked Newcastle about Chris Wood. So that is an interesting one because obviously Calvert-Lewin's injury is the, you know, a big decimation to them, isn't it, really? Because they really are short forwards after Richarlison gone, like you said. But yeah, Chris Wood, very much a, a big target man, if that makes sense. So it's interesting to see how we'd linked. But yeah, New- Everton are in the market. But that's true, Everton, isn't it? You're thinking, Onana, great move. That's actually a brilliant move for Everton. Okay, striker-wise, Chris Wood. Yeah, that's an Everton move, isn't it? Burnley style, you know, big target man type of thing. Probably not going to get many goals. That's more of an Everton move. So we'll see what happens before the the close of the transfer window. But Everton are still looking, definitely. Definitely claret and blue fetish going on there, isn't there? They've got they've got Lynn Tarkowski, McNeil, and now Chris Wood played for Burnley as yeah. well. I know he's currently with Newcastle. That's a bit of a weird one. They obviously have a certain profile player at Burnley that they fancy. Um, yeah, and I guess if Cody comes in, uh, that leaves them with, I think Godfrey started the weekend. So that leaves them with, as, as you say, he's out injured. That leaves them with Michael Keane maybe as cover. I don't know. I suppose you could do possibly worse as a group of defenders. It's not ideal, but yeah, very interesting to see what they do there as well. Absolutely. Let's broaden our range a bit now, man, and go away from the Premier League and back towards um, the bigger, wider game across Europe. And look, it'd be silly to do anything other than start with the biggest story that we're going to have today, which is what the hell, hell is going on with Barcelona? Because look, there's all sorts of weirdness going on. My own personal favorite thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks is how, how um, they were really angry at their at their player uh, Braithwaite for for staying at the club and being the highest earner and making so much money over the last few years. And I'm like, what sort of a story is that? I mean, how naive. <laughs> You have to be to think. Yeah. Well, what? What? Why wouldn't the lad hang around and get paid as much as he can get and play an occasional game in that in that famous jersey? It's just such a weird, weird story. But there's a lot going on. I mean, you've been talking about levers and levers all the way through this uh, summer with this lot. They've been pulling them left, right, and centre. There can't be many levers left, Dave. I, I, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a big one to just throw at you, but I'd rather do that than try and funnel you in a certain direction because this is a big story and I want you to cover all the bases. I'll jump in if I want to ask you something or clarify something, but maybe you just take it from wherever you want to take it. I'm not going to lie, Trev, while you were talking there, I realised we were going to say Barcelona, so I had to take the biggest swig of Cherry Pepsi Max to get ready for this session (laughs) because there's honestly a million things to go through. So, yeah, I'll I'll start the tangent and then we'll we'll see where this takes us. So, I know it is a transfer show, but you've got to put everything in context and there's nothing like context for Barcelona. So, Story that and it's broken this morning, and just just in case anyone does want to investigate it further, there's some great journalists on there: Colin Miller on Twitter, Nick Harris. That you know, they're the sort of experts who break it, and then people take it just in case anyone wants to investigate further. But getting to that, what have they said this morning? Amazing. We know Barcelona have pulled levers galore. Listen, I wish my bank account had that many levers and could release these types of funds, but. 
they've the levers is now being investigated as almost a scam so what i mean by that trev is sixth street that's the company they're sort of in bed with to you know release these funds sort of percentages of different things like the tv money the kit money the social media etc it's come out today barcelona and sixth street have been in cahoots to not falsify but exaggerate these figures so what they mean is the figure they're reporting publicly or trying to get through to la liga they're actually both putting money in a third party investment vehicle both sixth street and barcelona trev so barcelona are putting their own money in to almost the way it's been described trev is exaggerate the investment figure so what we mean by that is barcelona actually been shown to invest 150 million euros of their own money in this investment vehicle which so when they report 667 million you know in total from sixth street that's not quite true trev it's actually 517 million because 150 million of it, Trev, is Barca putting money into this third party company and then sending them back to themselves. So you might be thinking, why would they do that? It's because then they can put that total figure on the balance sheet, you know, as in, this is what we've got in. So it's, in essence, it is almost a scam, if that makes sense. So it's so they can report more money. So, I mean, that's absolutely crazy as a starting point, isn't it? But that's the context for everything, that scam. So the Liga have obviously become aware of this through investigation and these, you know, investments, they're, they're looking into those. So what La Liga have now said, Trevor, amazing. Actually, you kind of falsified it a bit, Barcelona. And because of the way you've moved that money and put that investment vehicle in, this is gold, Trev. Because of the way you've done that, you now need to pay capital gains tax or whatever the version is in Spain. <laughs> so... Barca not only have falsified that, La Liga are now saying, well, that's a false figure, so it's not money coming in. You've just tried to, you know, manipulate the funds, if that makes sense. So now, because you've done that, you should really be paying capital gains to, or whatever the Spanish version is on that. Absolutely insane. So that's a starting point. So now there's a full investigation going on into that. This is just getting started, Trev, honestly. this is That's just the first bit of the background. The second part is, despite having now pulled three and set to release the fourth lever, La Liga have told them they still, still don't have enough funds through to register the new players like Lewandowski, Christiansen, Kessie, all those. Never mind do the renewals for the likes of Sergio Roberto. So despite all these levers and everything we've been told, they've still not got those players registered this is incredible isn't it honestly i'm just not even halfway through but this is just insane so what now do they do to react to that again they've gone back to the leaders Jordi albert gerard pk and asked them again to take a pay cut never mind they asked them to take a big pay cut last season and go down to the minimum and they still owe them the back funds from there and obviously the way they treated pk trev shocking but is what it is type of thing They've asked them again to take a pay cut. Insane. That's insane. I'm not finished though, Trev, so I'm just let me take a breath for a second and we'll go back in. Honestly, Dion, go on, sorry. No, I, 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 that's, I, wanted, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of get, get a breath there because it is actually remarkable. 
people may not be aware of this, but 6.3 are a global investment firm. They've yes. got $60 billion US dollars uh, uh, funds under investment. And it, it's, it's no small thing. And it kind of just shows you the stakes that we're talking about here. But to me, what it does is because you see this in the wider world with massive, massive companies or, or investment companies like BlackRock and things like that, it kind of shows you what state Barcelona are in that they're looking to get into bed for these kind of deals. Like here, take 15% of our, t- of our TV rights. That This is a slippery slope, Dave. I don't see it ending well for them at all. I don't see a long-term path out of this. As you say, if they're going to their stalwarts and saying here lads do you mind just um you know maybe uh taking two oranges and a slice of cake for wages this week it's uh, it's it's a weird one it it smacks to me of a, a desperation level that most people don't seem to be acknowledging in the stories that i'm reading and it's good to hear you uh lay it out for people because i don't think they're getting it. i think they're just wondering where this magic money is getting magic up from and that's all they're asking anyway you're going on yeah, it, it, it's true though, because it, it is desperation stakes. And even with the other bits to, to come and look in what's in place, Goldman Sachs, when you talk about investments, they're already big creditors within Barcelona. You know, that they, they own a state practically now just because of the sheer level of money that Barca owned them. So it's two major financial institutions that they're selling parts to. And, you know, a creditor's debtors, sorry, I should say, really, within the organisation. But yeah, I mean, linking it back to transfers, I mean, this is amazing what's now on the De Jong table. Barca are claiming they have evidence that the last contract renewal with De Jong was done illegally and numbers were falsified. So what they're trying to get De Jong to do is go back to his previous contract, Thomas, you know, reduce his wages and waive all those fees to say, or you know, wages owed. Because, yeah, it was it was all done illegally, Frankie. Do you know what I mean? You know, it, it was all with the previous regime, not us. We're totally solid, you know. So, come on, be a good sport and sort of reduce your wages that. Absolute lunacy, Trev. Absolute lunacy. And what's Dave, going Dave on. Who's, get, who's getting thrown under the bus there in terms of the accusations of illegality? Is it Are they trying to imply that it's something the young and his agent did incorrectly? Because I don't understand how, how that stands to them because surely then the next question is, okay, what was illegal and where did the illegality occur? Yeah, it's it, they're linking it all back. Everything is getting thrown under the feet of the, the previous president before Laporta, Bartomeu. So they're sure. saying everything under him was illegal. Sure. You know, this is where the debts come in. It, it would probably help if Laporta didn't keep getting caught out himself trying to do these scams <laughs> yeah. going on. You know, like that, that would probably help his image a little bit. But they're very much going through it was all the previous regime. But obviously with what's coming out, it doesn't quite look that way. So, yeah, all this, you know, de Jong stuff. And the, the biggest thing is United are still in for him, you know, there is a bit of barter if he will give up all those wages and, you know, half what he's got at the moment. They, you know, they would like to keep him because, you know, if you can get a player to forego previous wages and reduce them by half, they would want to keep a top player. The biggest one is, as we said, and, and this isn't being all ITK, but you know we said this right at the start of the summer. Chelsea have got that long-standing interest in De Jong, Chev. We've mentioned that a long time, haven't we? And it wouldn't surprise me if they just make a move or, or sort a deal. But, all this that's going on, God, I'm still not even finished with Barca. 
So where's the Lonzo money coming from? Another commitment to another player. You know, it's, it's pretty much done, all the indications are. But when you can't register the four you've already bought to then take on a fifth, seems a little bit hinky at best, if that's the right phrase. And this is the best one. They're still in conversations around Bernardo. So I don't know how big this fifth lever is going to be, Traff, but it needs to be a pretty big one, in all honesty, to sort all this out, if you think about it. So I genuinely don't know what more of the family silver they can sell, but Barcelona are, for some reason, not done with transfers. However, I don't think the uh, CAS, for when the contracts start coming up, will be done with them. And I don't think La Liga are done with the investigations either. But th- that could literally be a whole show on its own, couldn't it, really? Absolutely insane. I hope they plough on and find that lever. And I hope it's, uh, 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 if you know, if you'll pardon the carry-on, Uwer Vicar, I hope it's a massive one. Because uh, I want them to get Bernardo Silva because I'd like him to be away from City. Yeah. And preferably at the last minute when they can't do anything about it, that would yeah. be magic. <laughs> But let's uh, let's see how that develops and move along to another uh, club for whom uh, money is very much the central theme uh, in recent years, and that's PSG. And uh, we know our man Wijnaldum um, had a very unfortunate stint there. Very little sympathy yeah. for him for some people who reckon he chased the dollars. And if you go and do that, you know people have no sympathy for you. I, I feel bad for the kid, but he's gone to Roma and, you know, whatever. That's, that is what it is. And it's, it's a quick turnaround for him. He has a chance to, to relaunch himself there. But they're looking, PSG, uh, at uh, uh, Napoli, another club in Italy, and thinking they may get uh, a certain Fabian Ruiz in. And yes. also, also, they're having a little bit of a sideways look at Juve for one of their stars. So maybe talk us through what you see happening at PSG. Yeah, it's it almost seems now they've sorted the forward debacle, if that's the right phrase out. You know, Mbappe and his mum making moves because she's on the board. That's official. We know that. So, you know, they've not shifted Neymar. They kept Messi. So the forwards are, are locked in. So now we're moving on to the midfield and... Looks like you say, Genia, away to the Roma, that's done. Yeah, Fabian Ruiz, so the suggestions are around the 25 million mark from Napoli because he's not got long to, to go on his contract, Spanish international. So that'd be an interesting move for them. So then it starts almost, a, a, again, it's another domino effect with PSG. So the one that they're talking about shifting out is Paredes. So Juventus are interested in Paredes, naturally. There, there might be a certain Rabiot moving out of there as well, so that's the interlink there. But if Paredes moves across to Juventus, it's almost a full reworking, isn't it, of um, PSG's midfielder? We know Vitinha's already come in there, Ruiz, you know. So it is a full reworking almost of, of that midfield now, which is their, their next area. In essence, they're looking at building their squad, aren't they, under, you know, Galtier the new sort of set up there and Mbappe's mum is building the squad for the Champions League, isn't it really? So it's an interesting one, but it very much seems like midfield's now on the agenda for them. All these mammies having all this influence, it's remarkable stuff. Yeah, and Inter Milan have a sort of a PSG link in, so it's probably a good point uh, place to go next. Um, all not really well there, uh, if we're being honest. 
there's a few sort of rumblings going on. And again, money is a massive issue, as it seems to be for so many clubs, with yeah. the likes of Alexis looking like he's on his way out the door with his contract being wrapped up. But there's more going on than just that story at uh, Inter Milan. Maybe talk us through there. Like I say, there's a PSG connection there as well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, as you said, Alexis, I mean, downhill since Arsenal, wasn't it, really? And now it's the signs are that they're trying to sort, of sort that termination of contract out, aren't they? And he's even being linked with Marseille when he does go, you know, get that sorted and be on a free. So that's been a disastrous move for club and player. Yeah, a, a player that's, we actually thought this would be done with PSG by now and it seemed to go dead, but... Maybe the pronunciation's wrong, but Skriminar, I think, is the pronunciation, the sort of Croatian defender. It was expected to be done because they need the money into He's got a year left on his deal, and then it went cold. Called. That's been reignited. So there's talk around sort of anywhere between 60 and 70 million. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. So Inter have been almost touting their wares, if that makes sense. There's always been that speculation that... Um, someone would have to go. And even Dumfries to Chelsea was muted. That seems to have gone a bit cold now. Beret is the big one that's really gone cold because, you know, he is the crown jewel and he's someone that we've had eyes on, no doubts about. But the suggestions are very much that they have now taken him off the table. That's almost a, a non-negotiable, which back to the midfield chat, won't please many reds, but that seems to be it is what it is. So the, the Temptation for me, I think, if I had to speculate, Trev, I think the defender, Skrinard, does go to PSG. It just seems a smart move for all parties. A year left rather than letting him go on a free. Because if he's on a free, trust me, a lot of the, the big teams on the continent come in for him across the board. So, yeah, it's not it's not well with Inter, realistically. They are looking to raise funds. So I'm expecting one big move at least to happen there. Now, we saw Erling Haaland show what he's capable of uh, at the weekend for all those imbeciles who had written him off after the um, Community Shield uh, uh, match. Um, that was stunning to me. But anyway, he, he went on and, and showed at the, at the weekend what it is that he can do. Uh, but Dortmund obviously then have a, a, a sort of a gaping hole they need to fill. Um, they've gone for a veteran uh, yeah. to, to do something there and they may well be linked or close to uh, someone we mentioned earlier on who's not necessarily happy where he is Yeah, it was it was an interesting one when we said Dortmund were really exploring a range of options and almost short term to long term based on the unfortunate news around Haller it seems like they've really gone for the ultimate short term options so we did mention him, Modest from Cologne, so 34 years old, proven pedigree in Bundesliga, but not the youngest by any means. So all the talk is around a £5 million mark, so it really does seem an absolute short-term option there. Then the interesting one, yeah, mentioned him earlier, Trev, Callum Hudson-Odoi to to Dortmund. It's, it's such an interesting one. I mean, listen, that, that guy needs a move for his career. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, it was supposed to take off. He was in the England squad a couple of years ago, but look how far he's fallen. He's not even making the match day squad for Chelsea half the time. So could be a great move for him. Really could. But yeah, Dort, very different, eh? One young English kid for one very old French forward as well. So interesting moves, but I, I can maybe understand it with their situation and what's happening with Haller. 
Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's such a such a difficult one for that kid, um, and we wish him only well. Um, we're moving very close to the top of the hour, my friend, and it leaves us with our last feature to do, uh, which is our club in focus. And this week we're going to have a look at uh, Aston Villa. And obviously, unlo- not unlike ourselves, uh, far from ideal opening to the season uh, for, yeah. Steve, for Stevie Jared. And there are a couple of things that we could look at um, briefly in our chat here for the next couple of minutes about them. Um, the first one seems to be, and of course, it was a massive, massive issue always uh, in terms of what surrounded the the man himself when he was at Liverpool and and and, and with England and stuff. And that's the whole notion of captaincy and what it is and yeah. what it does, the effect that it has, the knock on effect that it has on the player. Is it a heavy burden to carry? Uh, did, did it cause Stevie G's incredibly low forehead to be to be more wrinkled than than yeah. than, it, than it needed to be at times? And uh, did he wear the burden lightly or heavily? And here he has a sort of a situation himself where, you know, uh, he has come out and made a few comments around this idea of captaincy and uh, Tyrone Mings and, and John McGinn have been kind of central to that chat. What What is it that seems to be the issue here? Yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting one because it, it's another year now at, at Villa and he's got he's almost got the players in that he asked for. So there's, there's almost no excuses for Stevie. I think when he first came in, his job was to, you know, keep us up because they were on a big downward trajectory under Dean Smith. And he did that, but it was almost a mid-table finish without the real kick-on that, you know, people would hope for. But there's now this start of the season thinking there's big expectations at Aston Villa. So it's an interesting one. Captaincy-wise, though, Trev, fascinating that Tyrone Mings was naturally the captain. Gerard takes it off him and gives it to John McGinn. Almost a, and he's you know been quite bold in his statement, Stevie, there to say you know it's the it's the right decision, you know the what I want from a leader, the way to take things forward. So people can naturally put you know two and two together and get seven, but naturally it leads to speculation. The interesting thing was um, Mings came out with a statement pretty much straight after, like I'm happy you know support the decision, back John, looking forward to playing under him. So kind of placated that and thought okay, you know accepted it. However. Not in the not in the team for the first day of the season, is he? So you know, dropped. So that naturally prompts questions. Not well, a terrible result away at Bournemouth on the opening day. There's no two ways about that. The nearly promoted team. Asked about it, you think, you know, what does he say? Listen, Gerard goes in two foot, doesn't he? Realistically, to say, well, you know, means isn't the squad for this reason, and it's the comment he made specifically, Trev. When he can look me in the eye and we can sort it, then, you know, we can look at Tyrone coming back into the team. I mean, that those are very hard comments, if that's the right phrase, aren't they? They don't leave much wiggle room there. It doesn't indicate that everything's well. So, despite Mings' public statement, it's clearly not something well at Villa there, is there? Simple as that. Yeah, you see, that's a thing. That that's a very alienating thing. Um, in in this spirit of being a no nonsense kind of an operator, which you would expect Gerard to be, it's still quite of an quite an alienating thing. And it does it does very much in the era of modern footballers where let's face it, they're a lot more fragile mentally uh, in terms yeah. of, of, of wanting to be patted on the back and lauded and told how wonderful they are than, than 15, 20 years ago. Jesus, man, even when you and I were younger playing football, you, 
it was a tougher environment uh, in terms of of what you had to what you had to accept in terms of criticism. Um, that's very very strong words from Gerard. And I remember at the time when he was given the captaincy, and Sammy Hoopia came out and said, "Look, well, I think it's it's a good decision. I'm 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 okay with it. I'm happy yeah. to." The same sort of thing as Mings came out with, but. Obviously, there was a, a level of sincerity with Sammy that may not necessarily have been the case with Tyrone Mings. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But it's a, it's 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 a, it's a bit of a shadow uh, to be beginning the season under. I would have thought, for sure. Uh, in terms of bits and bobs that they've done with comings and goings, you're looking at, uh, a, you know, <laughs> you're looking at a squad there, like you said. Where is it now? Can he say, well, look, I can he say anything but I've got the players that I wanted? Mm. Talk to me a little bit about some of the, these moves because I want to I want to work in here. Kamara, uh, Carlos, um, Coutinho, and a yeah. kid a kid who we were linked with and interested in, which is Chukwemeka, um, because th- these are f- this these are interesting moves in and out that might tell us a little bit about where the club's at. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was clear he'd, he'd been up front, Stevie, and saying, "I want a, you know, a sort of defensive midfielder in." And you know, they they got Kamara on a free when his contract was up with Marseille. People saw it as a, a bit of a coup, but I think it, it was interesting. It was a player that had been touted a lot of big clubs. Not saying Villa aren't a big club, don't get me wrong, but you know, people who were maybe performing or clubs, I should say, sorry, they're performing better at the time. So it was interesting they ended up at Villa. Diogo Carlos. Again, it, on paper, it looks like all the attributes, Brazilian international, but for anyone who's watched Sevilla, kind of makes them the same mistakes that Tyrone Mings does. You know, not always the, the best decision maker, but, you know, it was big money for Aston Villa. They made that call. Coutinho, yeah, they, they made that deal permanent. I mean, it, it, let's be honest, Trevor, it was quite clear Coutinho was at Villa in the first place because Stevie was there, you know, he'd lured him there and he's made that move permanent. So, he can't say he's not being backed. You know, those are big players right down the spine of the team that he was after. So, you know, can't can't hold that against him in any way. You know, he can't say, oh, I've not been backed. Definitely has been. Chuck Wemeka, fascinating this one, isn't it? A player that had shone in that under-19 Euros. A lot of clubs were, we've been interested in for a while. We've mentioned that before. I mean, literally, Gerard sent him home for a pre-season tour, didn't he? Say, you know, his his mind's my words here. His mind's not fully in the game. You know, he's, he doesn't look like he's going to renew, so I don't want him around the place. And they, again, strong action, but strong action comes with a risk, doesn't it? Now look what's happened. Chelsea come in with a twenty million pound deal. Say a lot of speculation around fifteen, twenty, but you know, all the indications are a twenty million pound deal and big wages that Villa wouldn't pay. So. Naturally, there's talk that they've got that money ready to use as well. So Gerard is tra- still trying to do bits, but he's made a lot of big calls here, Trev. As we say, he's got that holding midfielder that he wants. He's picked the the centre half. He's you know Coutinho, who is a, a big name, no matter what anyone says. I think a lot of people were surprised he went to Villa that way. You know, he's made the big call on Chuck Wemmicka. It's there's a lot of big calls there by Stevie, and he's backing himself, which I like in one essence, but. If you back yourself that way and make the big calls, they've got to come off, haven't they? Let's be honest. You know, you're right. And to go full circle back to one of the things we, uh, I, I was saying a while ago, Chukwemeka is the perfect 
type of lad that I was talking about in terms of, you know, that younger profile uh, talent that you might be able to get for 15 or 20 million, even if you had to pay him a lot. And the fact maybe that we weren't in the conversation there might tell you all you need to know about what you can expect from us before the transfer season window ends. Um, To wrap it up then, obviously they could do with getting in, or he thinks at least, that they could do with getting in another attacker. But, you know, they do have some enviable enough attacking talent in Ollie Watkins. Danny Ings is quite a a slick operator at this level, as is Coutinho. You said correctly, seen as being a very, very high uh, calibre talent, because he is. Um, He'll get hard to sell uh, anyone um, on getting funds for another attacker when he's got that kind of ability there yeah. uh, to draw on, considering as well some of the attacking midfielders he has. Um, do you think his season is going to be reliant upon that? And how do you think as well, just to wrap this up then, how do you think Stevie Gerrard is now perceived by the Villa fans? Because way back at the start, we were talking about it, you and I at one stage, you know, would he be a guy that could ever necessarily step into the 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 breach at Anfield? And we kind of said, you know, he's got to win trophies and he, or at least have very, very high profile experience. And yeah, he's got to win trophies. And you look yeah. at you, you look at you look at his how he's been perceived now, at Villa. What do you reckon? I mean, so first of all, that's two parts of that. First of all, do you think his success or his happiness is going to be dependent on getting in this? Uh, extra attacking talent and do you see a knock-on effect there in terms of how he's feeling about him at the club and how maybe the fans and ownership and management are thinking about um, how he fits? Yeah, he's an interesting one on those two parts. I think it's it's clear that he wants a few more or at least one player, like you said, an attacker in. The interesting thing is though, when you, you speak to a few Villa fans, I do know a few Villa fans, they said his style's almost in between. It's like he's caught in between two styles because he spends a lot of time trying to get, as you said, Watkins and Ings in the team. So quite often one of them almost has to sacrifice themselves and go on the left and not play, you know, the standard striking role, so to speak, especially with Coutinho. They don't quite seem to have that balance to get them all in the team at the moment. So that, you know, it's he, he wants another attacker, but what type of attacker almost is the what's being levelled at Stevie at the moment from the Villa fans? Where, you know, what, what formation are we actually trying to play here, so to speak? So I think almost it, leaning into that second point, there's a lot of questions now being asked about Stevie. And listen, to go back to what we started with around the Premier League, Fans panic, don't they, on the opening day, Trev, when you don't get that positive result. Nothing stokes those fires of panic more than that. So that's that's playing a part in it, you know, a bad result away at Bournemouth. But there is massive pressure on Stevie this season. And not just this season, right now, I'd say. He's made a lot of big, I'd probably say ballsy calls, because that's, his, you know, his sort of character, the way he thinks it's right to go, which I get, that's his style. He's backed himself. But when you back yourself, you've got to come good. He's got to sort that means issue. It can't linger. If he wants another forward, he's got to get you know that forward in quickly. And he's got to decide almost what style he wants to play. Because if it starts to sort of go on the slide and doesn't go well and carries on as a bad start to the season, he will be under a lot of pressure quickly with zero excuses to reach for. So 
it's a very big, I would say, six weeks or so for Stevie. And listen, we love him. We hope it goes well. Don't get me wrong, but he's under pressure from those Villa fans. You know, no two ways about it. That's it, man. You can't ha- help but have a level of fondness for the man that that goes beyond the, the level you've had for most. Um, not just because of his levels of attainment with the club or the fact that he sort of carried our team for years, but rather just because of the kind of guy that he is. I've loved seeing his interviews um, since he's gone into management um, with Rangers, with Villa. He's quite spiky. He's got that kind of, you know, doesn't brook any bullshit. I, I like that. These are all things you, you you respect about the man. But like you say, you climb out onto that limb, you better hope that it's very, very much fresh and plenty of sap yeah. cor- coursing through it or else you're in for a drop. So it could be, I think you're dead right, a big, big season for Stevie. Dave, we've gone all over the shop, man. Are you happy enough yeah. if, we've covered, if we covered everything you wanted to cover? Yeah, I, I have no doubt when this comes out, just because of the way it's gone crazy season, Trev, something will have probably changed or got done. I mean, I've literally, it's just popped up on my feed now, just as a scan in there. Sesco, the um, the forwarder, Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg, that a lot of clubs were linked to. Very smart by the franchise. He's moving to Red Bull Leipzig in 2023. So that's a player off a lot of people's target list. Smart move by them because it's, how would you put it? The next level up for the Red Bull franchise, isn't it? From Salzburg to Leipzig really puts him in the shop window. So that's that's one that's off a lot of people's radar. But yeah, so no doubt crazy season will continue for another few weeks as bad results flow in, Trev. Delighted I gave you the opportunity to fit yet more information in there. God bless you. That's tremendous work by Dave. And as ever, I want to thank him very much for all the info that's coming your way in this show. It's a 69 minute show crammed with just information and if you're like me and you can't be arsed reading about it every single day it's a wonderful sort of compendium of your transfer talk so as ever for another show cheers dave cheers mate we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.